0: Being just one degree off can make a huge difference. A pilot was breaking this down. He's describing describing the fact that if you're going somewhere and you're off-center by just one degree, after one foot, you'll miss your target by two-tenths of an inch. So it's just tiny. It's like nothing. But if you're traveling 100 yards, so if you're going from this ambo to maybe the school, and you're one degree off, then when you get there, you'll be 5.2 feet off. So it's not huge, but it's noticeable. If you're taking off on a plane from San Francisco to Washington DC and you're one degree off, by the time you get to Washington DC, you'll notice that you'll be 42.6 miles off from DC. If you're taking a rocket to the moon, and you're one degree off, you'll miss your target by four thousand one hundred and sixty-nine miles. One degree off, you'll miss getting to the moon by the two diam two two twice the diameter of the moon is what you'll miss it by. So for, for some things it doesn't matter being one degree off. Other things being one degree off doesn't cut it. It's got to be dead center. Jesus is one of those things. He has to be dead center. He demands, he requires us to put him dead center in our lives and in our hearts. And so this weekend, we celebrate the solemnity of Corpus Christi. So just like the Eucharistic revival, the church is taking three years to highlight the importance of the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. Every year, the church gives us this weekend, Corpus Christi, to highlight the importance of Jesus in the Eucharist and so for today what I want to do is I want to look at the centrality of the Eucharist and then us making a couple adjustments. So first the centrality of the Eucharist. The center of the Catholic faith is the Eucharist. Why? Why is the Eucharist the center of the Catholic faith? I think you can get to the answer by just two words. Jesus Christ. Jesus the Eucharist is the center of the Catholic faith because because the Eucharist is Jesus and Jesus is the center of the Catholic faith. And it's you know, it's always been the center of the gathering, the worship is communion, the Eucharist. You know, I've shared with you even uh, a few uh, a month ago about that when I was in college I struggled with different aspects of the Catholic faith. It got all the way to the point of my junior year in college I told my parents I can't be Catholic anymore. Number of the church's teaching where I was just like it didn't make sense, I didn't believe it. <coughs> uh, uh, among those most um, strongly was the Eucharist. Because I knew it was held as such importance in the church. <laughs> and I knew what the church believed, but I didn't believe it. And I struggled with it, and as I began to to look into it more and to study in, in the midst of this, as I was challenged, I was actually challenged by Father Burke to do this. And as I looked in, one of the first places turning is like, well, what did Jesus say? And as we heard our gospel today, Jesus's words in John six, he says, "Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life." And you, you know, those that are hearing it then, there's the same reaction that I was having. It's like all right, this is crazy, and he doubles down in verse 55, then it says, essentially, I kid you not, for my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink, and he goes on and saying, this is how you remain in me, this is how you become in communion with me, and as I'm wrestling with that, I'm like, I'm reading that, and I'm just like, okay, like does, it doesn't make sense, but this is what Jesus says, and you fast forward, and you look at You look at what Paul says, you know, what what he wrote in the year about 50. We hear that in our second reading today, 1 Corinthians. So about 20 years after Jesus says those words, Paul, we hear, says, he kind of asks like a rhetorical, these rhetorical questions. He says, brothers and sisters, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break is it not a participation in the body of Christ? It's like, I'm reading that. I'm like, like making these connections. Okay, Jesus, Jesus says this. 20 years later, Paul is saying this. The phrase that's used in the other church, we see in Acts chapter 2, when the community gathers together, they talked about what was central to their gathering was the breaking of the bread. It's a term they used, breaking of the bread. The breaking of the bread was the term of coming together with the Eucharist, receiving. and It was always at the center and so, okay, Jesus says this, Paul says this, and looking further in, in studying the church history, and what I found was that the first 1,500 years of the church, the Eucharist was always the center of the, when the Christians gathered together. And everyone believed it for 1,500 years. There was one church for the first 1,000 years. But for the, 15, for the first 1,500 years, everyone Everyone believed in the true presence of the Eucharist, of Jesus in the Eucharist, And and the Eucharist was always the very center of their gathering when they gathered together. Occasionally, there'd be a heretic that would come along, and the church would quickly confront the heretic and to say, that's out of line, that's not right. Examples of that in the 7th century, the 11th century, the 13th century, and then there was me in the 21st century saying that. And especially in the 16th century in the Protestant Reformation, there was a man by the name of Ulrich Zwingli. And Zwingli came along. He was, a very, he was, he was the first one that said, the Eucharist is just a symbol. Luther didn't even believe that. But Z- when Zwingli came along and he said, the Eucharist is just a symbol, he, he, it's, like, it's just like a wedding ring. It's, it, the Eucharist symbolizes Christ. And when, 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 when that happened, it was the very first time that the Eucharist was removed from the center of the gathering and so in the ambo or the pulpit was then placed in the center so imagine the altar here being removed and the ambo the pulpit being placed right in the center the message of the preacher became the center of the gathering when then when when Christians came together now you guys know for, for two years now, you know that I place high emphasis on the homily and preaching and the importance of breaking open the word of God. But, but even if you were to come here this morning and hear a really bad message or it just didn't resonate with you, for, for us Catholics and how it's always been for the first 1,500 years is that the center of our gathering here today is what happens here on this altar. The Eucharist it it it's this it's the center of our gathering. And the church has always said this, the Eucharist is always being the central and it has to be dead center. Which brings me to making adjustments. Whatever our center is, it's what we're aiming at. And our aim det- determines where we go. Our aim determines who we who we become. Right? So like, if Jesus is off-center in our lives, and for Christians, we're, what are we to become? Where are we to go? We're to, we're to go to heaven. And, the, and what we're to become is we're to become like Christ. And so if Jesus is off-center, and the center is the thing that, that, that guides us, it, it's where we go, it's our aim. Even if we're one degree off for an ex, extended period of time, it can lead our life being way, way off course. And it's just like anything in life. Like if, if we're one degree off in our, in, in our, in our, in our marriage, if we're one degree, if I'm one degree off in my priesthood, if, if we're one degree off in a relationship, like, over, like maybe for a day, we don't really notice it. But over a course period of time, we could look back over the course of maybe 10 years and say, man, I, att- I intended to be this person and not like I'm way over here. And maybe that's just one degree off. And so it's, it's easy to place Jesus off a dead center. Like I, it, it's easy to put him 15 degrees off, 45 degrees off. I've shared with you before, there's been times in my life when Jesus has been 180 degrees off. And we can, we can even put him one degree off center, but he's gotta be dead center And that's why we need to make some adjustments at times. And so maybe just two two things to to highlight here with making adjustments. One is for our community here at Notre Dame. And and one is for us personally to, to look at with regards to making him dead center. So first, for us as a community, on July 5th, so just three, four weeks away, we'll be moving the tabernacle to the center of the church, to the center of the sanctuary here. And it's not so much moving the tabernacle to the center, it's moving who's in the tabernacle to the center. And who's in this tabernacle is or who's in the tabernacle is a person, Jesus, in the Eucharist. And so he'll will, will be perfectly aligned with, with, with the center of the Eucharist, with the altar, with the tabernacle, and the crucifix. We, we, we talked about, we took a whole preaching series on just where we're at in the course of the 2,000 years of church history, of an unprecedented time of awareness, of belief of Jesus's presence in the Eucharist. And a big reason of moving Jesus to the center is just to be that perfectly aligned. You know, just practical things, like when we come in and we genuflect. As we talked about before, we don't, we're not genuflecting just to nothing. We're genuflecting to a person. So if we come in from this side, it's really hard. Like we want to, we want to we, we be cognizant of, of genuflecting to a person, or we're even just sitting in the church. We want to be aligned in Him. If we're coming to the church throughout the day and stop in, we want Christ to be in the center. We want Him. We want Him to be dead aim, dead center. Just a couple things like tidbits here. We're not moving this tabernacle right here, right? That would kind of not work uh, to put that tabernacle here. So there's one that's being made right now that will arrive and will be here. It won't change or affect the Adoration Chapel on the other side. We will repurpose this tabernacle now where it will, it will be opened up all the time and made into a triptych. And there's an art piece being commissioned right now, the Blessed Mother holding the child Jesus with six different scenes from Jesus' life. And the last tidbit, I don't, need a, I don't need to ask you for any money to do it, okay? It's, all, it's already been all taken care of, okay, by two generous um, people, two generous families, the whole project. Putting Jesus in the center of this church shows the priority of this church, And the priority of this church is Jesus and the Eucharist. Secondly, just personally, maybe a personal adjustment. For this week, for us, just just check. Do a check-in. Do a check-in and look up to see if Jesus is center. See if our shoulders, our eyes are aligned up. And if we look up and he's 45 degrees off or he's five degrees off, even if he's one degree off, Put him dead center. Put him dead center in your life and in your heart. Make adjustments and let him be the guide. Let the Eucharist guide us by spending time with him and watch to see what he'll he'll do in our lives. So maybe when we receive him in the Eucharist today and we return back to our pew to take a moment and say, Lord, help me to put you dead center. Help me to make those adjustments I give you complete permission to come dead center into my life. And the only way that you and I can really do that is by knowing that he's put us dead center, by going to the cross for dying for our sins or saving us, for giving him himself to us to receive him, to feed upon him and to be nourished in the Eucharist. So aim carefully, aim carefully, put Jesus at the center, not one degree off, but dead center.